1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you're there, say, I'm there. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy, say jealousy, and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants. What are, what are preachers and teachers? Servant. Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God is making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. He changes the analogy. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. How many people want a reward? If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you all, y'all, you yourselves, plural, are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? You all realize who's with us today. He's with us. And if anyone destroys this thing, uh, this thing we're doing, God's temple, God will destroy that person. Oh, no. For this temple is sacred and you all together, when we're together, we are that temple. Don't deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. He catches the wise in their craftiness, and the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise are futile. futile. So then no more boasting about human leaders. Everything is yours. Paul, Apollos, Peter, or the world, or life, or death, or the present, all are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we gather together collectively. We are your temple, that we are a sacred place right here, right now. So, Lord, we turn to your presence. Grow us up. Teach us how to be your church. We bless you today. Help us in our relationship with others and with our relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Let the church say amen. You all can have a seat in the presence of the Lord. Thank you. The worship team, they did an awesome job today. You already got enough right now, but you're going to get just a little bit uh, more um, first off, 
I started this series on the church because we are building the church. We are, we are being called to build a church right here where we're at in this theater. Amen? And uh, over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to let people know about our membership. Uh, we're going to have a graduated membership class because some of y'all have been members for so long. Uh, you're like, oh, he's going to make us go to a membership class again. Okay, but we're going to have a three-week class, uh, and we're going to let you guys know the dates of that. But while we're moving in the direction of the foundation of what we're doing as a church, I just feel the Lord saying we need to start teaching and talking about what it means to be the church. Look at someone and say, you are the church. That's why it doesn't matter where we assemble at, because the, we, whenever we come together, we are the temple of the living God, and God is here in our midst. So I wanted to, I wanted to give you guys, first off, a praise report in my, in my life, in my wife's life. We, uh, we're back together again. Uh, yep, yep, yep. No, actually, um, we have four kids. You all know that. And she still looks the way she does. And I gained the weight through the pregnancies. And she keeps looking good. But for about the last eight, nine years of our life, we have had a consistent bill that we've had to pay every single month. And it is a draining bill. And, and the bill fluctuates. Okay? I'm, look, we're gonna, I'm saying this because we might take an offering for this right now. But the bill fluctuates from maybe like 40 bucks to 100 bucks to 115 bucks down to, you know, it's just always fluctuating over the last eight years. We never know how, how it's going to happen. And whenever we would add a new child, the bill would grow. Okay? The bill would begin to grow. I'm helping some of you that don't have children yet. I see AJ in the back. I'm, I'm trying to preach to you, brother. When you have a child, this one bill uh, grows, but every time our kid would grow, the bill would shrink. Okay, so when we would have kids, the bills would grow, but then when they grow, the bills would shrink. But about two years ago, the bill was completely eliminated from my home. Woo! And God, for the love of God, Will we never have that bill again in our life? Does anybody know what bill I'm talking about? Steve, where are we at? No, we do that all natural. We do that all natural. What did somebody say? Diapers. Once you realize how expensive diapers are, it's frustrating. It's only, it's only 20 in the pack, and your kids just, all, they just always use in the bathroom. You have to keep paying this diaper bill until your child grows up. This is such an essential function to all of us that we couldn't meet in the theater last week because of plumbing problems. There's, there's nothing more basic to our existence than using the bathroom. No one is like, I got to learn how to do this. It's just like, it's going, to, it's going to happen, Pastor. And if I can't, I will drive to that McDonald's across the way. We're with you, Pastor, but they don't, wait, they don't have any... 
the bathrooms ain't working. You know, I'm, I take that water pill. That, that ain't going to work for me today. I'm going to stay at home and watch the Cubs or whatever. But there would be nothing more tragic if I walked in here and said, you know what? I'm still spending about 140 a month on diapers because all of my kids uh, still wear them. You know, Sophia's in, she's nine, she's in fifth grade, and Bella's seven, and then Armani's six, and Xavier's five, and it's just something that we do. It's out of convenience. Sometimes you just don't want to run to the restroom, and so this is just what we do. You guys would, you all would leave this church. You would say, there's just, you wouldn't even, there's just something wrong with this guy. His kids should be growing up because we always realize that there is a problem when we are unwilling to move from a stage of infancy. It is a, it is a, it is a dangerous, ugly, desperate problem. It is, it is just perverted. Now, Paul, he, he comes to this church and he's asking a question. He's saying, what would infancy look like amongst a church what would it look like if we were babies what would the picture be Paul says I couldn't talk to you like you were normal Christians or people who actually have the spirit of God living on the inside of them and he almost goes as far as saying I had to talk to y'all like y'all don't y'all ain't even saved but he doesn't say that he says he's just baby he doesn't call them unbelievers he just says you're just babies you're just real young you're just like born you're still wet behind the ears there's nothing worse than when I go to my son x who's five and I say man you're just a baby he's like, I'm not a baby I die you know I'm just so I'm just, you know there's nothing worse than when you tell somebody you're just acting like a baby you ever said that to somebody for real Y'all acting like my newborn child. Y'all acting like baby. That is what Paul says to the church in Corinth. And these were very bougie folk. The Corinthian church, it was this sort of uh, uh, aristocracy of the day in the Greco-Roman world. And they had these gifts operating. You know, you read 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. They spoke in other languages and prophets and people were moving and shaking. And they were the the movers of the area. So much so that, that 2 Corinthians is about Paul asking these folks to give money to the poor people in Jerusalem. They were the the rich well-to-do, studied people that were moving in the things of God. You know, there was a sophistication to these folks. And Paul says, you all need to get off the bottle. You have to get beyond the stage of being an infant in your Christian walk. And you say, well, I've been at this a long time. Well, that's fine. If you don't feel convicted about that, y'all some grown folks. But he says, you have to grow up. You have to get off the bottle. If you want to write a note down, say, I need to get off the bottle. So here's the question that follows this. How do you get off of the bottle? How do you actually become mature? The first point is this. There must be some progression in your Christian life. That doesn't sound like a deep point, but I'm going to help you out real quick. Look at someone and say there must be some progression. 
Paul says, I couldn't even talk to you. I couldn't preach to you. I couldn't teach to you as spiritual people, but as worldly carnal folk. You know, we bracket people into three different areas, don't we, in the church? You're either an unbeliever. Those are people on the outside. They're supposed to act like that. And then you got your spiritual Christians. You know, they're doing good. They're acting right. They say all the good stuff in church. Oh, God bless you. Praise the Lord. I'm just praying. I woke up today. I did devotions with my family. I'm praying. I'm, I'm feeling the Lord. You know, they post on Facebook. Oh, hallelujah. God has made everything good for me today. And every post is about God. But then there's some, some of y'all. That the only reason, oh, never mind, I'm meddling now. Stop, stop, stop. You're saved, but we all know you just got to get out of hell free card. Come on, you know some people like that. You got to call them and say, bro, why are you posting that? You know, like, for real? No, we were up in church singing about Jesus. What are you doing? You're just, I can't, you know, you're saved, but your life doesn't show it. That's not necessarily the point he's making, but he says there's something about you all as believers that you're still kind of just worldly folk. You're like non-believers, but he doesn't say that. He says, rather than saying you're like unbelievers, he says, you're still walking around with your huggies on. That's what he says. That's how he kind of just slides in there with a, a beat down and just like, ah, oh, you know, but you're, you're still walking around with your pampers on and, and you're, you're worldly, but you're behaving like a person without the spirit. What makes a person like an infant? And he qualifies it in verse three. He says, where there is envy and strife and quarreling among you, you're an infant. You're not, you're walking like a mere human that does not have the spirit of God dwelling on the inside of them. He says where there is envy and strife and quarreling. See, when this, this is a mind blowing thought because whenever I want to know that I am mature, I want to talk to someone about the deep things of God. Isn't that what we think of as a mature Believer, like, oh, um, you, you, have you thought about the pre-existent past before creation when God created earth, time, and space, and the angelic beings were here, and you want to talk about the Nephilim of Genesis chapter 6, and how did chaos begin, and people are walking around like, that brother is deep. What did he say? Kenosis? Christ emptied himself of What? Philippians 2. What's your doctrine of God? And what do you believe about Christ and his incarnation? Did he say incarnation? Like a baby was born, but a son was given? This guy is deep. So Deep. So if you are acting worldly and like an infant and a child, what we need to do is give you another sermon, give you a Bible study and do this or do that so you can start getting real deep and growing in the things of God. But that's not the context right there. He's not talking about our doctrine or our practice. He says this, immaturity in your life 
infancy in your life and in my life is not the absence of knowledge, but the absence of love. See, if we want to actually be a deep-rooted church, we don't need better teaching. We need better relationships. Oh, I'm preaching good right now. You all got quiet because I haven't been here for a week or two. We don't need more sermons. We need better relationships with each other. Because where there is strife and envy and quarreling, we are showing our age. See, some of the deepest people we know who are very knowledgeable and know about the faith and can go chapter, line, and verse on you, and they got a couple verses that they quote obscure passages from Nahum or something, you know, and they're like, oh, what are they, where are they, Ezekiel, we won't even read Ezekiel, what are they talking about? Some of those individuals create the greatest amount of chaos and strife in the church. Paul says, I want to see some progression in your life, but your heart and your relationship with other believers is perverted. We will never grow up until we mature in our love for one another. All right, now I want you to look at the person you came with, and I want you to look them in their eyes and tell them, or if you didn't come with someone, just... Look at someone and say, man, I love you. John, I don't see you looking at Brother David right now. I know you didn't come together. I love you. That's, so, that's just a weird, it's kind of weird. Now, I want you to look at someone you don't know and just say, hey, I, I love you. Love you. You know, <laughs> you know what's weird? Like with your spouse, you get all the words right. You know, it's like, I love you. But when it's like someone else, you're like, you know, I love it. Love them. <laughs> like when I'm talking to people on the phone, hey, Calvin, hey, love you, bro. That's how we do it, right? We don't go, hey, man, I love you. You got to switch it up a little bit for some people. It's kind of weird to say that, isn't it, to some folk? You know, my job is unique in that as a, as a pastor, uh, you, you're really called to love everybody. I know that sounds strange, but it's, it's a part of the call. And so individuals that would normally not be in my immediate social group, I, I start interacting with them. And um, regardless of age or race or their economic condition, it's just you can't pastor unless you're okay with loving everybody. Now, now I know you're like, well, that's how, how, do you, how would you even do that? You know, I don't know how that all works out, but I'll be at your wedding. I'll be at your kid's wedding. I'll be at funerals. I'm going to be at all of these moments in your life. And there's this thing that's happened. But here's the, here's the irony. That as I include people or serve people in love, I begin to actually love them. 
I don't know, I don't know any other way to say this. I mean, I, I love Brother John Cook. He is a, a good friend of mine, but I'm not in his social class. You know, he's a professor. He was a retired professor of this university and all this other stuff. And, but I'm called to pastor him. And so we go and we'll go out on the golf course and do this type of stuff or we'll talk about something. And then all of a sudden I realize that I need him in my life. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? That when you begin to open that door of communication with someone else, when you step outside of your social group and you begin to reach out to someone, all of a sudden your heart begins to change. And you actually begin to love them. Mm. See, the greatest compliment that someone can pay us as a church, you, you're, you're doing church wrong if you just go home every Sunday. If you never take a chance, yeah, but if someone, if I open up, someone's going to see how messed up I really am. And that's fine, but that's a part of love. Letting somebody know how messed, all right, anyway. The greatest compliment that someone can pay us as a church is not that the worship was inspiring or the preaching was good. It's when they say, when I walked in there, I felt the love in that place. Those people love me. I don't understand it, but I felt loved in that place. Mm, now I'm talking to a deep church. Now we got something. So how do you change your perspective of other people? How do we change and shift? And Paul moves on. He says, some of you guys are of Paul or of Apollos or of Peter. I've talked about this many times. Paul was the founding pastor. Peter, you know, he was the big guy in Jerusalem with Jesus. And Apollos was a great preacher and teacher, Acts 17 tells us. Uh, but Paul says you have to change the way that you treat your leaders. That's the first thing you have to do. What is Paul? What is Apollos? What is Peter? They are leaders, but they are also what? They're only servants. He says they're only servants through whom you came to believe. Not some spiritual guru, not some larger than life television figure uh, that, you know, you can't touch, you can't say hello to. You, you got to look beyond what's happening up here to notice that this is just, we're just people that are ministering are just servants. You always have to be looking at who's behind. Who's behind what's happening. Paul, I planted... Apollos watered, but God makes it grow. Joey did some planting today. I'm throwing out a little bit of seed, a little bit of watering going on. Other people are in the hallway ministering, throwing out some water, throwing out some seed. But God is always the one that makes something grow. God, this has Nothing. <laughs> this is God's work. What we are doing here is God's work. Now, maybe it's not leaders for you. Maybe it's not like, oh, we're divided over Pastor Thaddeus and Pastor Bill and Pastor Greg, and I go to the Bible study or I go to Sylvester's Sunday school. Maybe we're not there. Maybe that's not how we divide. That's not how we get petty. But maybe it's over tradition. 
Why do we always do communion that way? When I when, when Joe, we need to do something. Nothing but the blood of G. I don't know what song you sang every time you. You know, don't we start dividing over tradition? Oh well, maybe that's not it. Maybe, maybe that's not it, Caleb. Maybe they're just unsettled because, well, we know we should be worshiping in a building. When are we going to get there? How does that happen? God, Lord, I don't know about this. Like, think about the silly stuff people divide on. Silly. Don't let anything or any situation take you away from the main point of what we are doing, that God is in our midst growing this thing. So you have to place all of these situations, leaders, traditions, situations in the proper context. There was a traveling evangelist that came down to Charleston uh, when we were living down there. And I just, I just, I heard about the meeting. I never heard him preach before. And I go and it was like, manna from heaven. This was the best sermon. I felt the presence of the Lord. I went out of that place like I am a new. You ever gone to a church meeting where you walk out like, I am new. Today is the day. God, I give you, you ever had one of those moments? Powerful, life-changing. But as I grew to know this individual more, I started realizing that he wasn't as impressive as he seemed at first. But there's some things that I'm not sure about. And so then the next time I went to go hear him, I said it wasn't that impressive. And I began to question, what is the difference? The difference is this. The first time I went to hear from God. The second time I went to hear an individual. See, I know pastors, I know teachers, I I know preachers and bishops and church leaders and individuals. They're all normal people with real struggles. And you will find out if you see me in public that I wear sandals in the wintertime. I'm half Norwegian. I don't know what it is. You don't introduce me as your pastor. That's fine. I do weird stuff like that. You know, and, and if you came over, you will find that my wife and I sometimes argue. And if I really let you in, you say, sometimes, I don't even, why is he pastor? He don't even act Christian sometimes. Oh, I'm only talking, now everybody got so quiet with your judgmental, envy, strife, core, with your nonsense. You got so quiet on me. I can't even talk. I leave for two weeks and people stop being real, Caleb. See, if you get to know me, really know me, you will start questioning whether I'm even anointed or not. But if you come here and walk in this place and say, I have come to meet with the living God who is growing it, I promise you he will never Let you down. Who'd you come to meet with today? I hope it wasn't me. You missed it. All I am is a servant. God is making it grow. And and Paul says, you have to be careful in this whole thing because there is a very real danger that you might be facing. 
He says, I laid the foundation. Someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any of this other foundation other than Jesus Christ. But if anyone builds on this foundation, gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, straw, that work will be shown because the day will bring it to light. It'll be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality, say quality, of each person's work. If what has been built survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if it's burned up, you're going to suffer loss. But you're you going to be saved. You're going to suffer some loss. I don't know what that's like. And you'll make it, but as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that this is God's temple and this thing that we're doing is sacred? See, if you really understood what the church is, you, you would be far more careful when you came around it. See, he moves into the analogy of a building. I'm building and I'm laying this concrete foundation that can never be moved. It's going to be a base for the whole thing. And that's Jesus Christ, not Muhammad, not Buddha, not Confucius, not, you know, this is Jesus Christ. And I've laid the foundation. And as this foundation grows of what we're doing, there's going to be many teachers that come around. There's going to be a lot of builders that come around. And if you came out on Monday at 7 p.m. at the prayer meeting, Jan She's going to sit back in the corner and say, here's what the Lord's been showing us. And she starts putting some blocks into the building. If you came out on Tuesday night to Pastor Bill's Bible study, all of a sudden there's some blocks that's being moved. Or if you come out a little bit early on Sunday and get to the Sunday school, you'll see Sylvester over there just starting to put some mortar onto the walls. And he starts building and they're starting to preach. And then you'll come in here and Joey will begin to minister. And all of a sudden there's some more blocks. Somebody came in, they got set free. Something happened. And now we're preaching. Now I'm talking to you. Now I'm just putting a little roof on the building today. I'll for that foundation of Jesus Christ. And he says, all of that building that all of you all are doing in all of these different situations will one day be tested. And some of that nonsense you're talking about, or when you got around that person and you said, hey, I just want to tell you about so-and-so, you know, brother Willie Pryor, I mean, what what was he doing today? And the little gossip that you're, you're still building You're still building, but it's going to get burned up. And you're going to have to answer for that little nonsensical building that you did on that believer who has housing the spirit of God. Lord, I didn't know it was wood, hay, and stubble. I thought I was using precious stones. See, it's not a salvation issue, but a question of whether or not your building even mattered at all. See, when Lowe's designed this theater, they made a mistake. And I found this out last week because the same thing happened in Crestwood. They didn't realize that around that central uh, hub, the concession place, that there was going to be grease going down there and and other types of things and popcorn and all. They didn't realize that over time their plumbing structure was flawed. And so over in Crestwood, this happened. The same designer built this one and there. And when it happened there, they were out for almost a month. But now they had a system in place. So thank God it was only a week. Uh, 
But when we came here last week, they, I mean, they were digging trenches. It's this huge hole all around. You should have seen it. It was crazy. Ten feet down into the ground to get the right plumbing down. Same problem. And the question I have is, are there unforeseen problems in the way you're building? Have you been building something in such a way that 10 years down the road, it's going to develop? And then when you get before the Lord and Savior of the world, he begins to burn up. See, so there's a warning. Now, primarily this text is about teaching and you're saying, okay, pastor, oh, thank God I'm not going to teach in Sunday school. I'm good. I'm going to stay here in my seat. But Paul doesn't leave us there because he brings the indictment against all of y'all. That's why I want verse 16. He says, don't you know that you yourselves most new translations put yourselves because people didn't realize that you there is plural. Look at someone and say, y'all. That's what Paul is saying. Don't you realize that y'all are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys that temple, this thing that God is doing, God will destroy that person for his temple is sacred. Look at someone and say, sacred. And y'all are that temple. All of y'all gathered together are something sacred, so sacred that if anyone comes around and destroys it, God, we don't have many passages in the New Testament where God is like kind of getting rowdy. You know, we see that in Joshua where God, you know, he's striking people down and stuff. But in the New Testament, this is one of the maybe the only line where he says, God will destroy you. I don't want to be on that side of it. The collective nature. Later on in chapter 6, he says, individually, you're the temple. But in this passage, he says, when we gather together, we are literally the, the, the temple of the living God. That should blow our minds. Sacred, holy ground. He could have used a lesser word to describe it, but he uses the word of the sanctuary of God. Sacred. You realize that what we're doing here is very sacred? You know, in August of last year, there was a, a 12-year-old boy, and you all might have saw this. I know the video, video went viral. Um, and he was walking through a, 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 an art show, and it was a Leonardo da Vinci-themed art show. And he's walking with his Coke in his hand. And he was walking and he had this drink and he said, ah, just walking, clowning around with his buddies. He's 12 years old. And then all of a sudden, as he gets up on this thing, he trips. And he uses his hand to catch himself. And he lands on the painting and his hand goes through the painting. <laughs> Y'all remember seeing that? A 17th century painting worth $1.5 million. Well, he, that's why some of you all can't invite my kids over to your house. That's why the pastor has not got an invitation for dinner yet. 
Because you got those nice paintings on the wall and you know little Armani. I was just coloring. I was just coloring. I didn't know that that was some heirloom that was passed down from generations. They don't know. They're just out there, you know, like this kid falling through a painting. And you look at the kid and you say, don't you know that this is sacred stuff? This is expensive stuff. Why didn't... You should have left your drink outside. What are you doing stumbling around? You should be walking normal. you got to admire the beauty of all of this stuff, not just walk around. This is sacred stuff that's happening. Paul says the same thing to us. Don't you realize that when you walk in here, this is sacred ground. These are sacred people. The temple of the living God. We should put a sign outside the theater that says, be careful when you walk in here because God is amongst us. It is sacred. You can't just harm the temple of the living God and expect to walk out unchanged. God says, I'm going to destroy that person. You've got to realize this is sacred. How dare you bring that envy and strife and that quarreling up in here? You will find yourself in grave danger. Mm. If you destroy God's temple, God is actively at work destroying you. That is not me. That's the word. Because I love y'all. But this should be a very sobering thought for all of us care where you come from, this is a sacred act. I'm going to ask Joey to come up. Three points. Number one, grow. Let us all make an effort to grow in our depth of love for each other. Well, how do we do that? Go out with somebody. Talk with them. Allow your life to be open to them. And, you, and let them open theirs to you. I promise you, you will begin to love them. Number two, change your perspective of leaders. I don't want to see people in our church ever. I mean, yeah, it's fun to go to concerts and events and stuff, but don't ever get caught up in, in a servant. Amen. We're all servants. And lastly, remember, we all must give an account of our building projects. Whatever you're building, and this is, building happens in all sorts of areas, in our homes, amongst others, in our relationships. Make sure that what you build counts. Amen? For when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, I see as in a mirror, dimly. But there will, be, there will come a day when I will see face to face. Now I just know in part, but one day I will know even as I am fully known. Church, I want to get you there with your reward. Let's grow up. Father, we thank you today stay seated for a moment. We thank you today, God, for your word. Let us love deeply.
Let us, let us be challenged in this area, God, that when individuals walk through these doors, that, they, that we express love, deep love, real love, family love. Let it not just be words, but the reality of our existence here, God. God, give us the right perspective on things we're walking through. And Lord, teach us how to be master builders upon the foundation of Christ, which has already been laid. Father, we thank you today, and we bless you. Lord, if there's someone that does not know you, God, Father, we thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in our hearts and in our lives. The gospel is simply that we were sinners. Christ entered into humanity. He died for us. Based upon our repentance and accepting his by faith, his great work that he did on our behalf, we are saved. And if that's you today, all you have to do is accept Christ. So, Lord, we turn to you today and we bless you with our lives. Grow us up as a church. In Jesus' name, I pray.